Hey, church. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, for those of you who are watching online, we uh, canceled our in-person per- in service this morning because, well, it snowed a ton. That It snowed a ton, just a lot. Um, so we're just doing the online service here this morning. So good to see you guys all here today. Um, uh, hope you enjoyed the service so far. Uh, so here, here's a couple things going on today. So uh, there's not a ton of announcements other than not a whole lot going on. Um, but today was supposed to be, uh, Abel Larkin's ordination service for today. So, um, oh, what? there we go. Sorry, my screen froze up. Uh, so obviously we had to put that off and, uh, we, uh, <laughs> we're going to reschedule that for next week. And that's just kind of how it's going to work here for a second. Um, so, uh, well, hang on just a second. I think the stream may have frozen up. Uh, I just want to make sure that that is not the case. Uh, let me know. Someone let me know in the messages. Did the screen freeze up for you? If so, we'll see if we can do anything about that. I don't know if I can, but uh, uh, our streaming service reset itself. I'm not really sure how or why, but it did. So, you know, there you go. Uh, we'll see what happens here. Um, okay, briefly but good. Yes. Um, okay, good. So we're 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 there. Uh, the issues with streaming. So anyway, um, so we're going to be rescheduling Abel's ordination service for next week. Um, but uh, uh, you know, so uh, the other fun part was Abel was actually going to be preaching this morning. So this morning, when I got to the office, I decided to very rapidly put together a message for you this morning. Um, so it might not be terribly long, but it's okay. Everything's all good. Um, we'll uh, we'll still have a great time here, and we'll see what God has uh, has in store for us um, as we uh, as we move forward here. So. Uh, anyway, we are going to, uh, let me, let me set this up. So if you've never seen one of my podcasts during the week, this is what it looks like. Um, I'm actually going to move over to another, uh, screen here. So there you go. Um, yep. And, uh, so basically this is, this is kind of how I do this. Uh, so what we're going to do today is we're going to walk through, um, one of the topics that I got for, uh, for the year. So some of you remember that this year, um, the title for this year is What's on Your Mind? And so what I asked was for people to put together uh, questions they might have about the Bible, or about theology, about Christian life and Christian living. Um, and basically that's what I'm going to preach on this year are those, uh, those, those recommendations. So some of them came through. They're more questions than they are sermon topics. So um, – but and there's still some room if people have some ideas for the year uh be happy to take those just send them on to me that'd be fantastic uh so but this one came in a little while ago and it was the question was how do we live as leaders in God's kingdom in the world that we're in today because the world is kind of a mess today uh there's really not a lot of uh not a lot of surprise there the world is a mess today so how do we walk in this victory how do we walk in this uh, this kingdom mentality as leaders, you know? So, um, as we walk through our daily lives, it's actually very important for us to remember that no matter where you are in your walk, in your, uh, in your walk in your faith, you are a leader in the kingdom of God. You are a representative of the will of the king to this world. Just by taking on to you the mantle of Christian, you represent something so much bigger than just you. You represent 
God. You represent his gospel of salvation. You represent so many things um, that we need to understand that we are we we are that 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 uh, that chosen people that royal priesthood so you think about this um first peter what do we got here first peter i think it's 2 9 uh yeah but you are not like that uh for you are a chosen people you are a royal priesthood a holy nation god's very own possession as a result you can show others the goodness of god for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light you are a chosen people whether you whether you realize it or not whether you want it or not you are a chosen people. You are a member of the household of God, and you represent the king. Uh, in everything that we do, we represent the character and nature of God. So every day when you wake up and you go out into the world, you have an opportunity to show other people who the Savior is uh, and how much he cares for his creation. You you have that opportunity. Um, but the issue is, how do we do this well? How do we do this in, in a way that we can actually be proud of what we're doing? Um, there are a lot of people out there that go to church every week. Uh, and let's just say, well, let's just say they may not represent God in the best of ways the rest of the week. Sunday morning, they're on. They're right there. They know exactly what to do when they get to church. They, they're, they're, they, you know, they're that Sunday morning, uh, holy ghostness. Um, but the rest of the week, it's, um, you know, like, are you even a Christian? <laughs> uh, it's, it's that, that, that exists. And most of us exist in that gray area in between the two extremes, between Sunday morning and Saturday night. You know, we, we, we don't necessarily walk in the fullness of the light, uh, every moment of every day throughout, throughout our lives. Um, but, that's okay, you know, and, and I'm speaking to you too, by the way. Those, anyone who's listening, uh, you know, you have off days. You have those moments you're not necessarily proud of, uh, but that's okay. When that happens, don't let it cripple you. Um, don't even allow it to depress you. Um, just pick yourself up. Learn from the mistake. Acknowledge the mistake. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't, uh, don't try to pretend that it's somebody else's fault. Own the mistake, pick yourself up, learn and move on uh, because there's still more of today and there's another day coming and there's another day after that and there's another day after that. Um, every day is a new day and every failure is a chance for us to learn, to grow and to better ourselves for the task ahead. You see, there, God has a plan for you ahead like like not just the next couple of minutes way ahead god has a plan for you and he knows where he's trying to lead you but here's the cool thing you're not ready for what's coming right now you you haven't reached the pinnacle of your self development uh, at this moment you're still being made into what god needs you to be and every success and every failure will prepare you for that uh, th those days to come. Um, the, the task, the trick is to just not make the same mistake over and over and over again, right? Um, so throughout scripture, we're encouraged to develop ourselves constantly. We're constantly encouraged to develop ourselves and always to push ourselves forward at, uh, in our walk with the Lord. Now, my 
life verse. Uh, and actually, I forgot to make a slide out of this one this morning. Eh, it's okay. Um, so my favorite verse and uh, my life verse is First Peter 3.15. And it says, uh, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And that's the New Living Translation um, uh, version of that. So always be ready to explain it. So you, we, we're supposed to live in this way uh, where we are constantly trying to better ourselves so that when people have questions for us about our faith, we have answers. We can actually answer people why we believe these things, why we live this way, why we don't do this, why we do this. We should have an answer to people who have these questions. So there's a lot of places in Scripture that encourage us to do this, but one of the best places that actually gives us a little bit of a breakdown on things we can work on as individuals to make this happen is actually 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Uh, and this is Paul's charge to Timothy. Uh, and it says, uh, let's see, let me, uh, let me put this up here. It says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Now listen, listen to the qualifiers. Listen to what he's asking us to do. Preach the word. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Oh, what did I? Uh, yeah, okay. Yep, that was. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Um, I opened the wrong passage. There you go. Look, it continues. Uh, I'm in here in my office by myself. I'm pushing the wrong buttons. It's the way it works. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. So this is an, an, an important encouragement for us. And Paul breaks it down to a couple of really simple, simple areas. The first thing that we need to understand, all of us, remember, we are all a kingdom of priests. We are all called to do these things. Paul is talking to Timothy directly here, but all of these things apply to us. First one is this, preach the word. There is no greater calling uh, uh, in life, uh, in the life of a believer, than to bring the word of God to a lost world. There's no greater calling that you have. There's no, there's no, um, uh, any, any spiritual gift that might be active in your, in your life is irrelevant to the, to the purpose of bringing the truth of the word of God to the world. Everything else has to be couched into that situation. If you think about this, Romans 10, 13 through 15 says this. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how, uh, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Um, so the hesitation that a lot of people have in this area is that most of us don't necessarily uh, believe that we know enough. We don't think we understand enough. So we feel uh, we have a lack of confidence in what we're sharing and especially sharing in any kind of boldness. Um, you know, to, to be, pl but to be plain, if you think about this, 
in the world that we live in today, is that a, actually a valid excuse for someone who has been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Is that a valid excuse that I don't know God's word enough to share it with boldness, even though they have been a Christian for decades or more? With all the resources that we have available to us today, just on this silly, stupid thing here, at the tap of a screen, you have more resources available to you than any other time in history. There is so much available to you, so much waiting for you to just explore that it's actually almost enough to make you not want to do anything because it's so available. So the 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 fact that things are so easy for us to get can actually lull us into a, a sense of false security that if I really need to know, I can just go look it up. Just looking something up is not the same as understanding something. You know, finding the answer to a trivia question does not mean that you understand the underlying premise of why that's true. And that is what separates a Christian who is prepared and a Christian who is not. The Christian who is ready to preach the word doesn't just, it's not just spouting off scripture. It is actually understanding the context in which it was written and how it actually applies to our daily lives. So we need to take the time to actually make that happen in our lives. Now, I know that there are never enough hours in a day, and we're all tr looking for extra time to be able to get certain things done. I get it. Not, not everyone is going to have the time to set aside years of their life to become a theologian. I get it. Trust me. Believe me. However, I do know human nature is pretty simple. We always find time for the things that we really care about. You know, um, I know guys who have, uh, and this is uh, this this may apply to some of you guys. Um, you know, they don't have time for church on Sunday morning, but they have time to go hunting Sunday morning. Uh, they don't have time to read their Bible in the morning, but they'll get up at three or four o'clock in the morning to go climb into a tree stand or to go drill a hole in the ice to catch a fish that you can buy at the supermarket for a dollar fifty. You know, we have time for all of these things, but we don't have time to develop ourselves in our understanding of God's word. That's a problem, you know, and that doesn't mean you can never do anything fun. Please, please don't hear what I'm not saying. But there is a reality that the things that we care about and the things that we actually desire, we will make room for. It's, it's, it's just always true. You know, it's like the husband who never has time to spend time with their wife, but they always have time to watch football games. Um, you know, uh, or wives that never have time to, you know, uh, to, to, to spend with their husband, but they always have time to go shopping. You know, you guys get, you guys get what I'm saying. You know, that may have been a little, a little too close to home for some people, but that's just the way it is. We always find time for the things that we care about. We should care about this. We should care about this. It's the word of God and the truth of the word of God that saves the world. It's, it's Christ and the salvation offered through the word, through faith, through grace that saves the world. Nothing else. Their people's good intentions, their, their niceness, how kind they are to other people, none of that stuff matters if they don't know who Jesus is. They don't move on to heaven when this life comes to an end, and it will come to an end. So we should care about this, and we should care about this greatly. So preach the word. You know, preach the word is, is what, we're, what we're told to do. So the second thing he says is be prepared. Now, that means that we're continually on a path of personal development and growth, you know, knowing that we, can, we can't offer to others the things that we don't 
have, you know, um, have, has anyone ever asked to borrow something from you and you didn't have it? You know, it, it may not have meant much to you, but now imagine something. If someone comes to you with a problem in their life, they have an issue in their life, they have something they're going through and they need something from you. And what they need from you is the truth of God. You don't have it. You're missing it, you know, so, and you're missing it because you weren't, you didn't actually prepare yourself for that moment. Now that the moment's here, you know, uh, it's kind of like trying to buy fire insurance while your house is on fire. It doesn't work. You know, we prepare for these things so that when the time arrives, we have what we need in order to take the next step. So ministry doesn't work on a schedule. There's nothing about ministry that works on a schedule, and you never know when the door to someone's heart is going to open. You never know when God is going to, when that seed that has been planted is finally going to pop loose and actually become something more. What happens when we're not ready for that moment? You know, do you feel good about yourself? Do you feel as though you've served God well in those moments? Now, if you're ready, you know the how how wonderful that feels like this is why I did this. This is why I prepared myself for these. And when you when you're not ready, you you know I've been there, folks. I've been there. And many of you have been there. You know how difficult it is when you realize there is an answer for this. And it's in my Bible and I don't have it. Uh, because I, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't see it. You know, I, I wasn't prepared for the situation. So you take that, like I mentioned earlier, you take that and you use that as fuel to teach yourself what you need to do next time. You know, you don't let it keep you down. You use it as a learning experience and you get up, you dust yourself off and you get prepared for the next time. And then, and then, and then you're ready, uh, when the next opportunity arrives. So he says, be prepared. But then he, then he gives us, um, three other things to do patiently. So patiently. Did I mention patiently? You know, with patience, as in, like, not needing to make something happen really quickly, but, you know, being, uh, being, being in a place where you're allowed to happen, uh, to allowed, you're allowing things to happen patiently, right? Patiently. So patiently, correct. Now, in the Greek, this is a, a term used in legal cross-examination. So uh, it doesn't mean that you're constantly co- just going around uh, telling the world how they should live their life. That is not what this means when it ta- comes to correct. The term is used, like I said, for legal cross-examination in a courtroom. And what it means is to bring light to a truth that is either hidden or missing, okay? To correct, to bring the truth to light uh, that is hidden or missing. You know, have you ever been in a conversation someone mischaracterizes you or they mischaracterize or misrepresent Christianity in general? You know, I don't go to church because churches do this and they're wrong. It's not what churches do. There may have been a denomination that they went to that did that, but that does not mean that that is a full characterization of Christianity or um, uh, or, or the church itself. So we patiently correct you know, I'm sorry, that's that's actually not what happens. That may have been someone in the church that you were attending, but that is not what the church is or how it should be represented. So we correct these things, you know. They may not be doing it on purpose, and honestly, most people, they're not doing it on purpose. They're actually speaking out of a degree of ignorance, and I don't say that meanly. Ignorance just means that you're, you're, you're speaking about something in which you don't understand. You're ignorant. Um, it's, it's just easier to keep your mouth closed and learn something. So they're, they're, they're just ignorant of the truth. So as someone who has the truth, we correct 
their thinking. We, we realign their mind so that it is going in the direction that God's need, God needs. So you give them the truth of the situation. Now, when someone is in that situation, we're, we're faced with a, with a, with a, uh, uh, with a choice. Do we stay quiet? Or do we speak up? Now, a lot of people stay quiet because they don't want to offend anybody. Well, you know, if I tell them they got it wrong, they're going to get offended. They're going to get mad. They're going to, they're going to think I'm a know-it-all, whatever. Um, but now let me think about this. If we will not defend God, if we will not defend the truth of his word, his church, the purpose of the gospel mission, if we will not defend it, who will? Right? We're, we're his people. We are a kingdom of priests. We are his representatives on earth. We are sent into a hostile world to represent the will of the king. If we will not defend him, who do we expect to do that? But we do this with gentleness and respect, as I mentioned earlier. The gentleness part is towards the person making the mistake. The respect part is towards the word of God so that we set the record straight. You know, at the very least, if someone if if you're in a position where you have to correct someone, at the very least, they may be mad at you, but they'll at least go away with the truth. And after they think about it for a little while, they may actually thank you for having the um uh, having the mind to actually bring them a degree of truth. It's important that we do this, but we do it patiently. Um we don't correct in order to seem above others, right? We correct in order to help them find freedom from whatever is keeping them from reaching the next level of their own spiritual growth. So if someone has a messed up view of the church, if we don't correct that, they may never actually have a right view of the church. So now things we're, we're, we're leaving them in a dangerous situation. Um, so we should, we should have the will to actually bring correction to that situation, not to make ourselves look higher, but to help them reach another level. Our job, like I said, our job isn't to go around correcting the world, but it is to defend the faith. We are called and we are charged many times throughout scripture to defend the faith. So we patiently correct, we patiently rebuke. Now, correct and rebuke, some people think those are the same thing. They're not. Uh, A correction is one thing, a rebuke is something completely different. A rebuke is a tough one because there's very uh, few ways to do this kindly. Uh, in some situations, there's just no way to do this kindly. Um, so a rebuke is a stern rejection of what someone is doing. Now, here's the basic idea. There are always going to be those who speak out of ignorance. They speak out of a lack of knowledge. They don't actually know that they're wrong. We correct those. But then there are those people who speak fully aware that what they're telling you is a lie. Uh, easiest way to understand this is a politician. Half of what that comes out of their mouth is a lie, and they're fully aware of it, but it doesn't make any difference. They're trying to get somewhere, and that's just the way it works for them. On a Christian perspective and towards the Word of God, when people are willingly, willingly misrepresenting the truth of Scripture, and it, it may be for a host of reasons, correction may not actually be enough. You may actually have to move into a rebuke. And a re- like I said, a rebuke is not fun and it needs to be done patiently uh, and with a lot of grace. You know, um, there are always going to be those people 
who are not looking out for the best interests of, of God's people of the church. Uh, they might be looking out for the best interests of their own spiritual viewpoint, or maybe they've, um, like a, a good example is um, John Piper's son, John Piper the preacher. One of his sons is a militant, militant, outspoken critic of the church, full-on atheist, can't stand anything that his father um, uh, stands for. Uh, he's actually a very angry kid. Um, actually, he's not a kid. He's in his 40s now. But he's also fully aware that he is misrepresenting so many things, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care. His mission is to try to destroy as much of the church as possible. I don't know why he's in that place. I don't know what happened to him while he was growing up, but that's the way he is right now. I'm not going to tell you who he is because I don't want you to go looking for him. Um, but there's a lot of people who would like nothing more than to just see the church go away. And some of those people have come out of the church. It, it's, it's just a reality. So what we do is we watch and we warn and we stand in the full armor of God, ready. We stand there ready, unafraid. We're never looking for a fight. We're never looking for an, for, for an opportunity to, you know, roll up our sleeves and put up our dukes. We're not looking for a fight. But we're not afraid when one comes. So we, uh, we, uh, we represent something higher. We represent something larger. Um, so every now and then, Unfortunately, correction isn't enough, so we move to a a rebuke. And like I said, a rebuke is much more uh, much more pointed. They're much more directed. Um, but still, we do it patiently. We do it patiently. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, Sherry, you're actually right. There are some politicians out there that are fantastic. It just seemed like a good comparison for the moment. Um, uh, so yeah, if I spoke too harshly there about about characterizing all politicians the same way my apologies um but uh, i think you guys get the point um so the other thing we do is we patiently encourage so we correct rebuke and encourage so check this out uh, ephesians 4 11 through 12 says now these are the gifts christ gave to the church the apostles the prophets the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers their responsibility is to equip god's people to do his work and to build up the church the body of Christ. So this is commonly referred to as the fivefold ministry, uh, and it's given to the church to train the church for the for the for the work of the ministry. But here's the cool thing: this is also all all of these areas of ministry are what you're training people for. So the the people in in uh, uh, leadership positions within these five folds of ministry are training people to enter one of those folds. So it's not just a list of leaders in the church. It's also a list of where you may end up. You may start out as an evangelist. You may become a pastor. You may become a teacher. All of these things kind of roll into uh, into one another because remember, we're all a kingdom of priests. We are a royal priesthood. We are, in, uh, uh, we are in the service of the king. That's what we do. And these are some of the positions that we end up in, one of them at some point. Um, now, this is honestly probably one of the more difficult parts of walking in the path of ministry, um, remembering that our call and our position is not to elevate ourselves above others. So it's 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 difficult to to encourage while lording over. So if you have the view where you're constantly looking down on people, 
um, it's very difficult to encourage them um, from from where they are, as opposed to walking alongside people or even coming up from underneath to try to lift people to a higher level. You know, we we're constantly encouraging people to continue on in the journey. Um, so we walk in purposeful humility. Um, and we do our best to raise people up to serve God in, in ways and levels, honestly, that maybe you may never actually get to yourself. You know, as pastors and leaders and, and people in church, you may never actually get to the level that you're encouraging people to get to. That's okay. The main thing is that we do what it is that God is encouraging us to do now. You know, and if that means the next generation is going to move past you, Praise God. Let them move past you. You know, let them continue on with the work. If the people, um, if the people who are being raised up around you or the people who are coming up in faith around you never get past where you are, you gotta ask the question whether or not we're doing what we should be doing. Imagine a parent who never wants their child to be as successful as they are. Right? You know, you just, it's, it's very important that your child never make more money than you. They never have a better life than you. They never achieve more in life than you. No parent would ever do that. They all want more. How, how do you think God wants, wants us to walk? God wants us to walk so that the next generation moves farther than we are uh, in our current, you know, where, where we are currently. We're supposed to be constantly moving ahead, not just settling for where we are. So we're encouraging people to move in this direction. You know, it's like a coach on the sidelines. You know, um, they're thankful for the talent that, that uh, is on the team, but they're also, um, uh, they know that they're, they also have to be thankful that the people have chosen to use that talent there. So within the context of the church, we're not only thankful for the talent that exists within the, within the congregation of the church, we're thankful that they chose to employ that Today, you know, here in 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 our in in our congregation, in our in our setting, so we're we're thankful for the talent. We're thankful for the person's willingness to engage that talent, because everything we do is in service to the one who called us to walk the path. You know, none of it is because of how great or how wonderful we are. You know, we don't serve God out of our. You know, God isn't isn't just you know so happy that you're here. Boy, the church was so horrible until you arrived. You know, man, I was worried whether or not anyone else would get saved in you know forever. But you know, now I'm so glad that you're here. Woo, boy, is that just so fantastic? <laughs> it's it's not how that works. It's not how that happens. God doesn't isn't reliant on any of us. But he wants to use all of us. You know, if you look through scripture, there's there's nothing that God did outside of creation that he did not do involving a, a man or a woman. There's nothing that he did he didn't want to do through human hands. So God needs your hands. You know, the, the path of a believer is never going to be an easy one. We're coming to the close here. Uh, it's never going to be an easy one, um, and we're told that it wouldn't be easy. Um, we're actually told that it would be extremely difficult, and it w- we would pay a heavy cost for it. But we don't, we don't walk the path for this life. We walk the path for the next. You know, this life is far too short to be, con- to be overly concerned about. We walk because of what's coming. And one thing I can tell you after 28 years being, uh, walking as a Christian and about 27 of them being involved in active ministry, it's worth it. Every single day is worth it. Every moment is worth it. All the hardships are worth it. All the, all the successes and the great days are worth it. We're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. That's fine. They're all worth it. Every single one of them is worth it. So 
as you begin this path, as you start, as you continue walking down this, uh, in, in this direction, we, I want to encourage you to remember one thing above all, that your success as a believer, and this, some people have a hard time under, understanding what I'm, what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna say here, because they think it makes God not sovereign or, 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 or limits God's ability to do things. But please pay attention to what I'm, what I'm doing here. Um, and compare it to scripture, because you're gonna see that this is very consistent throughout scripture. Your success as a believer is entirely in your hands. Entirely in your hands. So let me explain what, what I mean. God will walk with you every day but he will not walk for you, okay? He will walk with you, but he will not walk for you. He will speak through you, but he will not speak for you. Do you understand what I mean by that? He will speak through you, but he will not speak for you. You have to willingly open your mouth. He will sit down and he will study with you. You open his word, he will study with you, but he will not study for you. He will empower you with his gifts, but he will not force you to deploy them. You know, you may, you may have, um, you may be in a position where God wants to speak a prophetic word to you, or he wants you to lay hands on people and bring a healing to them, but he will not do it for you. He's not going to force you to open your mouth and speak that word, and he's not going to force you to put your hands on that person and pray. He won't do it for you, but he'll do it with you. He will send people to you, but he cannot love them for you. You understand what I'm saying? He will open your eyes to a very lost and a very hurting world, but he cannot reach them without you. And that may seem overly simplified, but we are told that we are his hands and we are his feet. We are also his mouthpiece in this world, in this world. We don't bring our word. We bring his word. We bring scripture. We bring his word. We bring the Bible. We bring the truth of God, but we bring it. We have to bring it. That means we have to gather it into ourselves. We have to gather it into our mind. We have to gather it into our hearts. We have to organize it in our own brains and then we bring it to other people. And, you know, you never bring something accidentally. You don't realize, oh, wow, geez, I'm sorry, I brought this thing to you that you absolutely needed. That's, that's not how this works. We bring things on purpose. We bring things because we've prepared ourselves. We've gathered that thing we want to bring to other people, and then we bring it. We do it on purpose. God will go with you, but he can't go for you. He uses the willing but even those who are willing, I've, I've met people like this my whole life. I'm so willing to be used by God. I just don't know. I'm just waiting for God to open the door so, it, so I can start. Now, I understand that because I've been there myself. But here's the thing that I've learned over the years. God, you're not waiting for God. <laughs> I guess this is probably the better way to say it. God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you. Imagine the Israelites, after the 40 years, wandering through the desert, standing on the bank of the river, waiting to go into Canaan. God has told them to go. God has said he has prepared them. He has said he's prepared the nation, and the victory is already theirs. They're standing on the bank, waiting to cross. Who's waiting for who? 
Victory is there. The Israelites are not waiting for God. God was waiting for the Israelites. And I can prove that to you because if you go back to the first time that they were there, before they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years, they were on the bank and God was waiting for them and they decided not to go. Now they're there again after 40 years of wandering, ready. They weren't going to make the same mistake twice. They're ready to go. So the leadership calling that is on your life, wherever it is, wherever you are in that development, you're not waiting for God. God is waiting for you. So you got to make the choice. Are you going to prepare yourself? Are you going to prepare yourself to preach the word? Are you going to um, uh, spend your days trying to develop yourself in some way, some little way? Uh, are you willing to patiently uh, correct, rebuke, and encourage those people who are around you? So this is how we should be moving ourselves forward as individual Christians, as the body of the church, as a kingdom of priests. We should be willing to do this. And there's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days, and there's going to be questionable days. But at the end of the day, um, as long as we've done our part, it doesn't matter. The rest of it doesn't matter.